surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of Star Brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. I'm so excited for our guest today, Nikita Gore. She is a runner out in Bangalore, India, who has been not only someone who's listened to the show, we've had a ton of conversations over the years, and someone who just I love following, but she's doing so much great work in her community, in her area, for dedicated amateur runners of all abilities, especially women amateur runners in India who face unique challenges. And I couldn't wait to talk to her about all of those things, as well as how she is approaching life through COVID-19 in her country compared to, say, what we're experiencing over here in the States. You know, 91, I think, percent of my listeners live in the United States, but there are certainly those who do not. And I'm excited to talk to more of those folks in the future. So I hope you like this conversation with Inkita. Uh, with that being said, I'm so excited as well with the Business and Sports Discourse podcast. I know I announced it last week here on the podcast. I'll tell you what, this has been so much fun to record. If you haven't gone over there and subscribed, please do so because I'm sure that you are like what you're going to hear. Uh, yesterday on the podcast, we put out Part one of an episode I did with Jason Fitzgerald. Jason is the person behind Strength Running. You might already listen to his podcast. It's one of the top five, ten most popular running podcasts in the country. It's absolutely fantastic. In this episode that we're doing with him, part one and part two, part two comes out on Friday on the BSD feed, is about how he's running his business, the multi-channel approach he uses, as well as just the nitty-gritty stuff of running an online business in any capacity, never mind in the coaching world. And I'm sure if you're listening to this and you either are a business owner, you work in business, or at some point you would like to, I'm sure you're going to get a lot from it. So go over there and subscribe. In the meantime, here is my conversation with Ankita. Hello, Ankita, and welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Thank you for inviting me. Super excited. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. I couldn't wait to have you on. I know at first you're like, I don't know. I'm like, oh, please. I got to. <laughs> you're I doing so, much, so many wonderful things. I couldn't wait to get you on the show. You know, I don't know. Like I am, uh, you know, a regular amateur runner here in India. And I, because I'm a big fan of your podcast and I listen to them during my runs. And I've also gained a lot of insights from your podcast. So yeah, I was I was like, am I am I really ready for this? But thank you so much. It's my pleasure, and I'll tell you what: the, the, how you described yourself is exactly why I wanted to have you on the show. Uh, as I say all the time, this is for dedicated amateur runners, and you are that exact thing. Now, this is you know we're going through a wild a wild times, uh, you know, everywhere in the world. You know, whether you're in Rhode Island uh, in the United States of America, like me, or Bangalore, India. Like yourself, you know, things have just been completely upended. And to to make things even crazier, you had a little bit of a scare yesterday. Yes, yes, we had uh, the cyclone here in India, and it was it was a big one. We the last big cyclone we had was in 1991, so it kind of made things really difficult. The networks and everything's are not that great. Um, we had a massive uh, human loss as well. Uh, so yeah, things have been very difficult, especially in the, in the West, in the, uh, the Bangalore side of the, the Bengal side of India. Yeah, it's been pretty difficult. Yeah, see, I had no idea that it was so devastating. That's one of the things now with 
all the COVID-19 news, it's almost like everything else gets so moved to the periphery in our news cycle that things just kind of fall by the wayside. Like it's either like super local news for us or it's COVID-19 related and there's almost no middle ground. Yeah, I, I know. I, and I've been following um, the US, uh, the European countries as well, because I was about to come to uh, for the Boston Marathon. But yeah, the situation kind of turned really changed really quickly. And we like booked, we had booked our tickets and everything. And it's kind of it's, it's a bummer. We can't be there right now. But I think it is the best for everybody, given the situation we have. So how would you describe the situation in Bangalore where you are in terms of how when 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 the COVID-19 epidemic started and kind of when things started to get really serious in terms of the quarantine and social distancing and whatever measures that have affected you and the people you live with? Um, so just right before COVID-19, my mom was operated. Um, she had, she had to go through a heart surgery. So we are very lucky that we took that decision because immediately a week after that, the lockdown happened in India. So unlike other countries, we were completely under lockdown for, uh, close to four weeks. So you are not supposed to step outside. You're not supposed to drive out. They were like, we were divided into um, certain areas. Those areas were restricted and you were supposed to be in those areas. But basically the lockdown was, uh, re- uh, was enforced because I think the government wanted to be prepared for the epidemic and we didn't, wa- didn't want it to spread and scale up so fast. So now the lockdown has been eased for the past two weeks, um, but we are seeing a rise in the cases now. So earlier when we, the, when the entire population was underground, we, uh, sorry, um, you know, in, in lockdown, we didn't see so much spike in the population. But now we are seeing because not everybody is following the social distancing and everybody wants to get out because we've been, you know, uh, in, at, in our homes for last four weeks. So now we are seeing sudden rise in, in the cases as well. Uh, in Bangalore, since we have a large IT community, a lot of people are more aware. And a lot of people are, uh, you know, they are on Twitter, they're following other countries as well. So there's much more awareness because the, the crowd largely is from the IT industry and, you know, uh, they are engineers and um, uh, doctors more here. So people are more aware, but uh, in the rest of India, it's kind of spiking up. Given the population we have in Bangalore, the cases are very low and the death rate is also very, very low. Yeah, and I know there's just like in the United States, in India, there are certain sections of the country that are extremely densely populated. And it must be one of those things where, you know, for for all people concerned, whether the politicians who are making the decisions or just even concerned citizens, those must be the areas that people are really worried about. Absolutely. So Bangalore is also one of the densely populated city. Uh, Mumbai, uh, the situation is really bad in, in Mumbai at the moment. Um, we were just uh, watching the news this morning and we have got some 40,000 cases right there. And this is when we had lockdown, like completely locked down for, um, uh, you know, four weeks. Then we are having cases like 40,000 in one state. So that's massive. Um, yeah, let's see how that happens and how, 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 if we can improve the situation. But right now, it is definitely on a big spike. 
All right. So I don't want to spend this whole conversation talking about (laughs) the pandemic and things like that. But I do want to set the stage a little bit because most of my listeners, just like me, you know, are are probably much more familiar with the United States than they are in India. So I'd love to. So it's nice to know kind of exactly what's going on there and how things are impacting uh, your life and, uh, you know, your community and, and state and country as well. Now, with all of that being said, lockdown or no lockdown, you stayed extremely active, and I can't wait to talk about this because you really are taking, you know, this this very active role in trying to help people, you know, stay active during any time or any season of their lives, but especially this one. Before we do that, what has been, Chris? What is the running community like in Bangalore, where you live? So, um, Bangalore is known as the running capital of India. We have. So many runners here. And I think, again, it is the exposure because we have the IT crowd which travels to United States and other different parts of the world quite often. And, um, you know, uh, more, much more awareness about the health compared to other, uh, you know, other parts of the country. So we are definitely the running capital of India and we have huge, uh, huge uh, amount of runners. And I think every year the number is just going up. So it's definitely going up. And that's why now we can see many more brands also, uh, you know, focusing towards India in terms of uh, seeing running as a sport. So, yes, definitely a big, big number out here. So who are the people, uh, whether they're just local celebrities and athletes or if they're kind of international world class runners who kind of like set the trends for India in terms of the people that, you know, that the citizens there really get behind and root for and, you know, kind of try to emulate uh, moving forward? I think it would be the amateur runners themselves, because um, if we talk about the athletic sports in India alone, um, it's not that great given the exposure and the facilities that we have in India. But the amateur runners um, and these amateur runners are basically um, who are the leaders in their own field, like uh, they could be CEOs. They could be owner of a company. They are, they are doctors. Um, you know, they're engineers. And then again, they pass on and, you know, we are staying in big communities. So definitely the amateur runners are the ones who should be given the credit to, you know, um, making, to help this uh, community become larger and grow much more than what it was before. Interesting. So the amateur runners are not only leading their communities, but kind of getting that broader, recognition for doing just that. And I know that that's something that usually you don't see both of those things at once. Oftentimes, you know, in kind of in any endeavor, kind of the grassroots organizers oftentimes can get the, can be seen for, or not be seen, but are it's the true reason why things can get moving. But oftentimes you also have the complete other end of the spectrum where it's like, all right, like, you know, like say you this, you know, this running club is really active, but then at the same time, someone watches, you know, Jordan Hesse or Molly Huddle win a race here in the United States. And you're like, oh, wow, that was amazing. I want to be just like them. Who are like the, the pros that you feel like the people in your community most often, you know, try to watch or follow or really are huge fans of? Um, so there are a couple of runners. Um, and these runners, I actually, when I started running and I came to Bangalore from Delhi, uh, I really looked up to them. And um, these were, um, I would say, Thomas Bobby Philip is one of the barefoot runners we have in India. 
uh, in Bangalore. Then I have another another guy who actually runs really fast, um, Anubhav Karmakar, and a couple of these guys who are actually leading it and they are actually defining. So, you know, running community uh, and, you know, running clubs, they come secondary. Once the brand sees that there is a huge, massive potential in a, in a certain area, that's when the running clubs, they start forming. Or it could be branded, it could not be branded. So it, the, I think it's the people who are driving it right now. And even if there is no club, I see so many people, even during the lockdown, when I was like, I was waking up at 4.30 a.m. in the morning and I could, and I wanted to go out and finish my run before the crowd, uh, you know, uh, or, uh, you know, the police comes in and it's like, just, you know, uh, pushes you out of the, uh, out of the park or whatever. But, uh, I saw so many people. Uh, running alone so I think it's it's all combined together all combined together because of the amateur spirit we have here now what brought you to running specifically what brought me to running I think I just wanted to become fit Uh, I was always into sports from my childhood I was a swimmer Um, I was I used to um, take part in my local school uh, uh, races uh, and then again, I wanted to be an engineer. So I, you know, went down my entire lifestyle, went down that uh, corporate spiral route, wherein you are just working around for 10 to 12 hours. There's no life time left for your for yourself. So I, I was not liking that phase of mine, I think. And that and my then boyfriend and now husband got me to, into running. So a massive credit goes to him as well. All right. You touched on something there that I really wanted to talk about. And it's something that is often pervasive in especially urban areas and places where you see this huge work ethic and people working long hours, especially people who are office bound, is this this idea of, all right, during the day I'm in an office, I'm sitting down most of the day and then needing some sort of physical outlet. And then for you, why running specifically was the, the the area that you decided not only to choose, but then ultimately to stick with and invest so much of your life in? I think uh, my work hours uh, back in 2011 was so crazy. Uh, I think I was working from uh, morning 9 a.m. or sometimes 11 a.m. And I used to work till uh, 2 a.m. in the night. Uh, and... Um, the best time for me to work out used to be like before I was heading out, you know, going to sleep and like finish my workout. And, uh, and I was, I had gained weight. I'm not going to lie that. So I really wanted to get back to my fitness. Like I was in college. So, um, for me, every, the running was the only option because all I had to do was pick up a pair of shoe and just go out for a run anywhere. You don't have to wait for a gym to open up or a fitness class to start. So I could, do my run at four o'clock or four four thirty in the morning, and I can just you know um, go on with that and go to sleep and prep my meal or whatever I had to do. So that was very easy. And later on, I think like with all of us, it became an addiction. That if you don't run for like a couple of days, I was getting cranky, and it actually kind of also was my stress buster from because. My entire life was within these four walls of either office or home because I was not getting enough time. And running was the only way I could, you know, get some fresh air outside. So that kind of just kept me at it. And from there on, I never looked back. 
And when did you decide that you not only wanted to be active in that way, but you wanted to connect with other people who were either running already or who are considering uh, joining the running community? Um, so this happened in 2014. Uh because I had to take a break for a year. I was uh, I was traveling a lot and I could not focus. So I moved to Bangalore in 2014 from Delhi. Uh, and uh, this uh, and I was settling down after my marriage and I said, no, I need to now get back to my fitness. I don't care because I was not enjoying my work life phase. So I did not know anybody in Bangalore. And um, I used to go out for my runs. And after a point, I felt like I'm doing really good, but I need somebody to help me out or some people to you know kind of guide me that's when I we have a local Facebook page uh, called Bangalore Runners and and I like just wrote I reached out to Thomas Bobby um, because he was the only guy who was very active and used to help us and he's a sub three hour marathoner uh, now so I just reached out to him and I said can I would you help me to start and find friends here. So basically, the running group started from there. And then, you know, it just be- kept on building. And today, we have like some hundred runners in our group. So yeah, that's from where it started. It was just to just go out and run with few friends. That's a great story, how you just completely like cold emailed somebody and was like, I want to get started. How, you know, <laughs> Help me out. And then not only did they respond, but you know, obviously, it worked out well from there. So what in your community... And if you could extrapolate it more, even towards just like, you know, generally within India or your, your part of India, what is the gender split within the running community? And what are just some of the things that uh, you can speak to about that concept? I'm just I'm not overly familiar, but I know it's something that in a lot of areas of the world, um, it's not necessarily equal on, on things like this. Um, yeah, so... Uh... Earlier, it was a very uh, male-dominated sports when I started. Very few women used to be there. But um, And I'm going to talk about Bangalore and certain uh, big cities because right now still running is still upcoming in certain you know small parts of the country. It's not that, that big. But in big cities like Bangalore, Mumbai, Delhi, uh, even in, in cities like Indore, which is in the middle of the country, and now I feel because we had these uh, women only running, uh, uh, you know, uh, races or you, you, I wouldn't call them races, like a festival where only women particip- uh, participated. We, uh, it's called Pinkathon. Because of Pinkathon, a lot of women runners, they started uh, showing up. And today I think uh, we have quite, it's, uh, quite a big group of women runners in Bangalore, in Mumbai, in Delhi quite a big group of runners. I think almost um, the ratio would be around 60 to 40 easily. Wow. See, that's great. And when you are working with folks, maybe working with isn't the the proper term, but I know you're a coach as well, but say you're just, you know, interacting with people who, especially women who are thinking about getting into running, but are worried about, you know, whether or not it's a good fit for them. And there's things that they're just worried about, either they're self-conscious about, or they've had history with folks just like not being overly kind to them and seeing their humanity. And they're just not sure if, you know, if running or being active and being an athlete is for them. What are some of the things that you, you say to them to try to persuade them to kind of your side of the street? Yeah, so there are, because um, again, India is still a developing country. It's not developed yet. And we still have a, a long way to go. 
Um, and so there are a lot of, there is a lot of, uh, confusion. There is a fear as well. Um, because of course, uh, Bangalore though is very safe. Certain parts of the country are not very safe to, for women to run alone. So there, uh, also the mindset, the background they come from, most of these women who are coming, they don't have that athletic background or like my parents always encouraged, my mother and my father always encouraged me to get into sports, whether I was in school or college. And even now my mom is very, very supportive. Uh, so not, None of, and most of these parents and these women who were from where these guys are coming, their parents are not even aware of what they're, they're, they're supposed to do. So even if they want to start, whether they are in college or they are married, there is a low, uh, a social obligation. There is a social restriction. Um, you know, they tell them, okay, you can't run. Women are not allowed to run. We are, women are not supposed to run. You are supposed to cover your body completely. You are not supposed to, you know, do it. You're not supposed to be exposing yourself in front of the men. So these kind of mindsets are still there in, uh, in smaller cities. That's why we see the number and the ratio very, very less. Again, I also, uh, want to put this out that, uh, our schools in India, especially, we are so, we are so ac- academically driven that somewhere the, exposure or, or you know the focus rather is not on the sports per se but that is now changing because again the the cities big cities um the parents who are working in the in, the, in these big cities are also taking up sports uh, uh as running or you know cycling because again to break that monotony of work life phase so that exposure and or that awareness is also changing but i think there, we have a long way to go. Um, schools don't have any, uh, sports facilities. If they are, they are only in big cities. Um, we don't have proper tracks. So that also kind of contributes. And women, again, they are taught from the very young age that, okay, um, you have to get married. You have to bear kids. That mindset is still there in India. But we, of course, it's, not there in big cities but yeah but when women come to me they have these questions in mind um can i run there there there's no awareness about proper gear um you know uh, women needs to wear proper sports bra they can they need to have proper shoes uh so there's no awareness about them we don't have uh big brands up here yet we have certain brands there so um the active lifestyle gear is also missing so there are a lot of things that we have to go through the but the biggest ones are the social obligations and the social restrictions that we have more than anything and yet you talked about your mom as being extremely supportive of you in this endeavor which you know bears the question like what 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 fostered that belief in your mom to go against some of these social mores oh yeah i think my mom uh, is, has been, uh, paving the path for me and my sister both because we are two sisters and we are from small town. Uh, we are so, from a small town called Prayagraj. That's in, uh, Uttar Pradesh. Um, and it's in the north of India. So Allahabad is based or Prayagraj now is, was, it's, it's not a big town. It's a small town. And again, we, when we were young, um, I still remember my mom, used to tell us that go out and play with the boys, but it was not that easy. So I've been playing soccer and I've been playing cricket with the guys. And trust me, I was bullied for the same throughout my childhood. 
But my mom said, no, you got to do it. If you like playing outside, go out and do it. And my father, on the other hand, was a bit apprehensive about the entire thing because he wanted us to get, you know, study and, you know, settle down and raise a family later on, the typical Indian mindset that we have. But yes, my mother was definitely uh, the reason why we are what we are today and we why I can enjoy and do my running today. She still supports me whenever there's a big major race comes up. She comes down and like kind of helps me out, you know, prep my meals and all. So yeah, she's, she's damn cute that way. Yeah, she seems like a remarkable person who's able to kind of, and this is so tough for so many people, no matter what area you're in, is kind of like towing that, not towing the line, but kind of living both sides of it, of like, all right, having that independence of thought and conviction while also being a part of a group setting, right? Like she was an active member of your family and in her community and yet had these individual beliefs that maybe went counter to some of those people, even people that she loved. And that can be a hard place to be and still follow follow through in those convictions over a long period of time. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Because I still remember when my mom used to, like she wanted me to take up swimming there were so many people because we uh, we used to stay in the society where, you know, and people used to tell her, why are you making your uh, girl take up swimming? Girls are not supposed to do this. So, and every every other person she went to, like, or she spoke about said, no, you're not supposed to uh, raise a girl child like that. You're supposed to just make her, you know, uh, make just fin- let her finish her education. We'll just mar- uh, get her married off to someone. Even when I was doing my engineering, then also people said, who spent so much money on a girl child's education? So definitely my mom has, I think, fought for us and brought us where we are today. So what led you to follow her frame of mind and her advice and her counsel, as opposed to maybe following some of the peer pressure that you may have received either directly or indirectly from your peers or parents of your peers or just potentially even society in general? I think she led by example, uh, even though she was not working, but the way she used to conduct herself and she used to have her own, she wanted to speak her mind always, always have an opinion. Uh, I think she's been, because she kept on doing that and we saw that, I think that she led by example, I would say. Always, uh, whether it was uh, going out for her second job or she she never backed out when she uh, she had she had a very hard life in terms of health, but she never gave up. I think that fight that I saw in her kind of always encouraged me that, okay, no, I can't back out. I need to go and, you know, do my thing. I need to have my own opinion. I need to make my own mark, even though whatever people say in in the small town, (laughs) I think that kind of helped me. All right. So so now you're pushing now you're basically pushing it forward. Um, you know, these these ideals that your mom um, inculcated into you, you're now you know helping other people with. And obviously, some of these uh, social norms that you talked about are still prevalent, maybe less so, but they're still there. And you talked about before about how it's still you know, there are there are places where it's just unsafe for women to run uh, by themselves. And, you know, that's heartbreaking to hear. And yet this is the reality for some. So when you're having these kinds of conversations with folks or you're just aware of that kind of situation, what kind of counsel are you providing? 
So um, I would want to uh, narrate an incident um, here in Bangalore that happened with me. And that actually kind of um, scarred me as well. So um, my husband was, usually my husband runs with me, um, even though um, I'm faster, but he makes it a point that he's around whenever I'm running. Um, but this, this happened in 2018 when my husband was in US for two months. And I was running and um, I was coaching with uh, uh, Esther is my coach, um, Esther Atkins. So um, I was running up the flyover, uh, one of the flyovers in um, in Bangalore on one of the main cities. And somebody pushed me so hard and like easy. Uh, I was almost thrown against the uh, flyover and I hurt my shoulder very badly. And I think that was the first and only time I got scared. And it, sc- it scarred me so much and I was... I decided I'm not going to step outside alone. And I then I started reading about this and then a lot of women were complaining, but it was not that prominent because Bangalore as a community does not have that kind of, uh, uh, you know, that kind of atmosphere. But in the past two years, because of the traffic increase, because we have now a diverse population which is coming in and looking for jobs here in Bangalore, these kind of cases have started coming up. The only thing I advise to women um, who are running on the street, either you run in a safe environment like a park, or if you are running in the on a, you know on the main roads, you need to stick with somebody. You need to have somebody because definitely I can't. People tell me that you can carry a pepper spray. I can't carry a pepper spray because I I enjoy. I want to run free. I the the most I carry is a water bottle when I'm uh, or, or you know a handy bottle when I'm going out for a long run. That's all I do. So I try to stick with a person who's at my pace or I try to run in a park, even though I know it gets monotonous, but that's what I do. I don't have an option. I wish I had. Now, you've written about how in the past you've had people, you know, whether it's body shame you or, or things like that. And you've also talked to, even just on this podcast about how there's, you know, the so, some of the social norms involve people covering up from head to toe. And that's, you know, you, you kind of take much more uh, of a Western approach, you know, th- th- to the, in that regard. Uh, maybe that's not even fair to say, uh, I guess like, you know, when I see pictures of you running, it's very similar to pictures I see of people here in the United States or women running here in the United States. Um, so, in in that sense, what have you learned in terms of not only how you deal with that kind of rudeness and criticism, but how you can also talk about this topic in a way that maybe allows other people to feel a little bit more free and embrace that, that exact same running culture that you've embraced? Oh, yeah. So uh, it's, it's been um, uh, it's been a tough journey for me uh because see i'm in bangalore okay so bangalore has this community wherein if you wear shorts or tank tops and go out nobody's gonna say anything we have that that uh urban culture out here but i when i still go back to my hometown i cannot wear shorts i have to wear tights and i have to run because not for people to prove wrong but for my own safety so I kind of change my gear whenever I am moving into a different city or a different country as well. Number one. Number two, I think the body shaving part has been there with me for a long time because I had gained a lot of weight. Not many people know that when I was working. And then I shed that weight. And I struggled because, of course, my genes are 
not as same as a lean runner and I struggle um, to lose weight. But I was very happy and I had shared this thought with my coach because this ongoing, this battle was ongoing with me when I was prepping for Boston 2019. And I spoke to my coach, is it, if I'm not lean enough, it's going to hamper my um, pace. And this question actually is asked, has been asked to me so many times. People say that you need to be skin, but you're so fast, but you're so, you know, you need to be skinny to become so fast, but you're, you're not that skinny and you have, you are healthy. How come you're so fast? Um, or some, sometimes people come back and tell me only if you lose so much more weight, you will become faster. I understand that there is a, there is, uh, you know, a, a, uh, logic behind losing weight and getting faster. I know it gives you an advantage. And I, I got so frustrated that I went to my coach and I spoke to her about this. And she said, um, weight has nothing, nothing to do with your becoming faster. And she explained me and she said, you need to stay healthy because for me, losing weight is not easy. I have certain hormones, which, you know, kind of restrict that, uh, for me. So I think it's all about staying healthy and taking up at uh, a sport rather than you injuring yourself because I have done that. I tried to do certain things and before NYC and I think that led to a major hamstring injury on when I was so ready to race my best race um, in New York uh, on, in 2019. So I think I've learned my lesson. I would never, ever tell anybody to do that. Yeah, Esther is one of the most intelligent people I think I've ever talked to. I've had a pleasure to talk to her one time in person at a dinner, but right before the California International Marathon, it was a big group, and I didn't know her at the time. I was just fortunate to sit right next to her. Uh, it was just dumb luck, really. And I've had her on the show, actually, for a Coach's Corner episode. And, I mean, my goodness, what an extremely bright person and so knowledgeable in so many areas, and certainly one of those is running. And you talked a little bit about Boston 2019. I know that was a paradigm shifting moment for you. What about that race or the buildup to that race had such an impact on not only on you personally, but in your running as well? So I, I think um, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about uh, my, how my coaching with Esther also, uh, you know, changed the way I used to run because what I learned from her was totally different than what I learned here in India. I think the awareness is still, still not there. So my, in the, 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 the way I used to train myself, the way I used to look at the races kind of changed. So I learned a lot and that's something kind of, uh, improved or painted my entire picture in Boston. Um, I learned how to push myself mentally, not to overdo things and how to like sustain, uh, uh, you know, paces and so many other things. And when I was so ready for Boston in, um, I still remember I was feeling good until 32 kilometers, but after 32 kilometers, you know, things get tough for everybody. Uh, and I remember when I was closing to in the last three kilometers, I could still feel that, uh, the, there was a small sharp pain in my hamstring at the origin, which I thought was a glute pain. Um, and which I now think kind of triggered the entire pain uh, or the injury that happened in New York. So, but then uh, I was running and I wanted to finish it. I wanted to get, I wanted to get my personal record so badly. I could not move my leg, especially the right leg. 
but I still remember that I completely zoned myself out and I start picturizing myself when I was doing my track repeats and how I was enjoying myself. That was the only thing that I focused on. And I don't remember people said they saw me and they called out my name. I don't remember anything. And I just remember that my focus was that I just need to see that finish line I need to cross because I knew if I would stop now, I will not be able to get up. So I think, yeah, I never tapped that mental and physical level in my body before. So that was really, really life changing. And it still gives me goosebumps always. Did you know in the moment that you were tapping something that you had never done before? Or did you realize that after the fact? I realized that after the fact. I did not know. I just wanted, like, I, I just wanted to finish the race. I wanted, I was still the last very moment I was trying for the personal record. Um, it didn't happen. It's okay. But I don't think I ever, ever uh, imagined. I will, if now when I sit back and recall that moment, I don't think I have ever experienced anything like that. I mean, those are the kinds of experiences that draw so many people back to endurance events, right? I mean, that's something that as much as I love a 5K more than marathon, and I certainly do, those are experiences that oftentimes you need to be able, you need to be really pushing yourself to the limit for a long period of time, whether it's a marathon or an ultra or something along those lines to experience something like that. So after you had that experience, did you feel like, oh my goodness, I need to get back to that point? Or did you have that feeling of, all right, like that was great, <laughs> but I don't, I don't need to suffer like that anymore. Like I've been there, done that. No, I, I would say uh, I want to have that feeling without the pain, <laughs> you know, where I'm so zoned out that I don't care about what's happening around me. I just want to keep on going. And honestly, when I was training for New York 2019, I was keeping that, you know, that thing in mind that, okay, I, I was trying to get back to that feeling even during my training runs to feel that awesome again. Even I just didn't want that pain to be there, but I still look for and, you know, yearn for that feeling. It was, it was none like other, honestly. Now, one thing that you're known for, for anybody who follows you on Instagram, is your, your, like, your home gym hit workouts, which have really, you've taken to the next level uh, here in quarantine land that we've all been experiencing for the past four to six weeks and doing a lot of live stuff as well. Now, for you, when you're doing hit training, especially for runners and people who are kind of in that same field or, you know, endurance sports in general, what, how, what kind of workouts are you trying to do in terms of, you know, the, the intensity of the workout, the weight, the reps, like what, what, obviously not all hit training is, is equal. So when you're doing it, what, what are some of the things that you're focusing on? So, um, Again, um, I, for me, when the lockdown happened, that's when my rehab for my hamstring was going on. It's been a long time. I'm very happy because, uh, I had two injuries, uh, piriformis and hamstring both, uh, after, during NYC. So for me, when the lockdown happened in March, it, my rehab was going on and suddenly everything was stopped. So I had to take matter in my own hand because, for many, quarantine might have been, you know, um, a difficult phase. But for me, it was an opportunity to work on my weakness right now to build up the strength 
to you know uh, get back my fitness as soon as possible so i think that's where i started doing my workouts and then of course i am with adidas and adidas reached out can you can we do some online sessions and i said okay fine let's do that so my workouts are basically even though when i'm doing my hiit they are not the typical you know jumping jack very fast or high knees very fast of course maybe they are there for just one or two workouts but i still try to add a functional touch to my hi hit workouts um for so that there's more stability and there's stability com- component and uh, a bit of uh, i would say uh, you know mobility component added in all of those workout so it's not the regular hit that you will see it will incorporate certain um uh, you know workouts that we see elite athletes doing in their uh, in their training practices so that's what i try because even i am a runner so i don't want to shift my uh, focus from that you know that kind of workout routine so i wanted to inculcate that and bring that to my audience as well So how do you segment that within the week with some of your quality sessions when you're able to really dive into your running? So basically not not necessarily the last four weeks, but when you're able to train the way you want to, how do you mix the two together? I think I just do it once a week, once or twice a week, whenever I have an easy day and I'm not going to the gym for my strength training routine. So maybe uh, that is once a week I would try to do that. and um even i'm i'm really happy and i want i'm very lucky to have a facility i know not many people in india have that also not many people in the world have as run as we have we are exposed to that kind of uh, functional training or we don't have trainers who know exactly what a runner what runner or a specific sport need i in bangalore have that uh, person who knows exactly what i need so somewhere what we do in the gym those training or those drills those are running specific drills um i think it's it's a mix of that so we are already doing that so i when i'm alone when i don't have anything on me that's when i take up the programs such as hit or maybe a little bit of plyometrics involved in my routine and do you notice a difference in your running or is it just you just feel better generally and just feel more athletic no i definitely feel I see the difference from the way I used to run especially now like the drills that I do that has helped me with my form um I do the drills that are on the McCurdy train in before my run starts so I feel that the muscle engagement is so much better of course I'm feeling good if the muscles are feeling good I'm going to feel good but yes definitely huge huge change the way I used to engage my core before now how I engage my core the focus on the you know on on the glute engagement or the lower back how it used to behave before and how it behaves now is there's a huge difference huge huge difference so i have to ask how did you get involved with adidas because you see an international brand like that that's so widely known and and so ingrained with professional sports and the, some of the best athletes in the world and you see them you know investing in you which you know the, the typical dedicated amateur runner and I say that with all love because everyone who comes on the show is a dedicated amateur runner but you don't see many of those folks really ingrained with the company at that level like Adidas so how did that come to fruition I think um so my association with Adidas goes back to 2015 
um that's when i was picked up by the by the brand and i think the brand came to india it has been in india but now they were trying to you know get hold on to the runners because the running community was booming the amateur running was booming in india and in bangalore most importantly so they wanted to maybe connect with somebody who knows the local community better who who kind of runs a community also and is also serious about the sport and knows uh, you know and uh, has uh, an audience base and i think that's why i got picked up by adidas and today um i think we are together we've been together for the last 5 years so yeah it's been a long journey and i'm very happy when they reached out that must have been like <laughs> that must have been like a dream come true Ex- explain to me how that that process started because i can't even imagine if a brand like that reached out to me and was like hey you amateur runner we'd love to work with you i'd be like all right who's pranking me right now is this one of my friends or what's going on i mean i was so shocked i was so shocked because i was not even fast at that time i was just going into these local races and you know just getting onto those local podiums and because of course there is no competition here in india how you have in us so of course it was easy for me to get on a podium with uh, you know and and just well but when they reached out to me it took me i think couple of years and i was so nervous and i i i was ma- i just had i was recently married and i went to my husband and said i don't know if this is for real because somebody just contacted me from adidas and um you know they want to associate with me also i was running this local running group but it was so exciting i was so nervous that oh i i, I was so scared that i might blow this off you know i don't want <laughs> didn't want to upset the people because of course it was a big deal and i was not a big runner then i was just a community runner who was occasionally doing her best in you know but in whichever way possible so i was really nervous and i was really scared but yes it's been a very fruitful journey i've experienced so much with the brand uh it has taken me to places i have never dreamt of so i'm very very happy Oh, it's so wonderful to hear. I, that is such a great story. It is it's really so cool and it's great that they reached out to, you know, community leaders and amateur runners like yourself uh to really ingratiate themselves with the local running community and it's just so it's it's a unique situation, but man, I'm all for it. Like it is really really interesting. Ankita, before we get going, do you have anything more to say before before we head out? This has just been so much fun. No, I think I think it was so interesting. I was so nervous, Mark. I was like, "Are you sure this is going? This is a good idea of me doing a podcast?" But it's been so amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am honored. Let me tell you this: a small girl, small town girl from India, comes on a podcast of Mark Chitman. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Well, <laughs> it's absolutely my pleasure. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Kita, thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, big ups to our sponsors, as always, Prevenex, as well as the Eber app. If you are running, a, if you aren't running, I should say, a race uh, at the end of June, go over there. You can again subscribe, not subscribe. There you go. <laughs> subscribe to this podcast, of course. We'll go over there and register. That's the word for their uh, half marathon and other races. And if you're in Utah or uh, in that area. Go check out their race, man, because they're able to have uh, an in-person race right now um, that 
frankly, just are many of them. So if that's up your alley, you can go check them out. If it's not up your alley, you can always do the virtual race. You're supporting autism and people who are working hard with those folks, uh, not only the folks who are uh, affected by autism, but the family members who, you know, try to make their lives as positive as possible. And it's just a great cause and they're doing great work. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.